What is up, church? Okay, um, let's see. What is up, City Light? How are you guys? All right, all right. My name's Doug. I get to help lead our church, and I love what God is doing among us. From gathering on Sundays, scattering during the week in city groups, from young to old, I love God's work in us. So let me just ask you, what is God doing in you? What is God doing in you? So rarely do we actually pause and like ask that question and take that in. What is God doing in me? When I think about that and what God has done in me, I'm pleasantly surprised. I am by nature a low-risk person, okay? Growing up in Texas, the summers were hot and you sweat a lot. And so my family would go to the local swimming pool. But I was such a low-risk kid that even after I got swimming lessons, I spent a whole summer sitting on the steps of the pool without actually going into the water. It was too high of a risk. I needed just to sweat and do that instead of actually go swimming, step into it. I'm by nature a low-risk person, but God has worked in me and called me into this high-risk adventure of planting a church with him. I am by nature an introverted, book-reading nerd, but most of you probably think, because of God's work in me, that I am extroverted and I have ADD or ADHD or whatever they call that today. God is working in me, and I love what he is doing. How is God working in you? I ask that question because I want to connect it to what God is doing around the world, Today, like Eric said, we are intentionally emphasizing God's worldwide work. We're celebrating that God isn't only pursuing people in Council Bluffs. He isn't only pursuing people in Southwest Iowa or the United States. God is pursuing people from all different nations. We're celebrating that God isn't only planting our church, but God is planting churches all over the world. Our God isn't a local tribal deity. He is a global universal king. Amen, church? Our God is on the move around the world. Just in our nation alone, the United States, there are 319 million people. And in the year 2014, 4,000 new churches were planted in that year alone. 4,000 new churches in the United States. Now, you broaden that out, and you go to planet Earth. On planet Earth, there's about 7.3 billion people right now. There's about 6,900 known languages spoken around the world. There's about 140,000 Christian missionaries sent out to cross cultures, plant churches, launch businesses, run hospitals, feed orphans, all in the name of Jesus Christ. God is on the move around the world. On any given day or any given week around the world, there are 3,500 new churches that get planted. 3,000, like church, somebody say amen. 3,500 new churches planted every single week around the world. This Sunday is kickoff Sunday for 3,500 churches. Incredible. On any given day, 174,000 people on planet earth give their lives to Jesus Christ. 
30,000 people in China alone every single day, about 25,000 people in Africa every single day, 34,000 people in Latin America every single day giving their lives to Jesus Christ. Despite Satan's best attempts, Christianity is still the fastest growing religion in the world. 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, I will build my church, and he wasn't playing around. His church has grown from 120 people, scared stiff in an upper room in Jerusalem in the Middle East, to 2.3 billion people all across this globe, bowing their knees and singing praises to Jesus Christ. Our God is on the move all around this planet. So you may wonder, why did you ask at the beginning, what is God doing in me? Right? Like, I'm, I'm just one person. I'm just a drop in the bucket. Our church is just one of 4,000 churches. Why does what God is doing in me matter in this worldwide Jesus movement? Well, I'll tell you, and you may want to actually write this down. There's notes in your program. Get that pen, fill in those blanks. Here's why it matters. God works in his people for all peoples. God works in his people for all peoples. And when I say peoples, I'm talking about like people groups, languages, nations, tribes, all different kinds of peoples. What God does in you, what God does in us matters because what God does in us isn't just for us. What God does in us is for all peoples. That's a big statement, so let me show it to you in the Bible. You guys know we've been tracking through the book of Exodus, kind of journeying through that story for a couple of months now. At the beginning of Exodus, God's people are oppressed and enslaved, but God shows up. He delivers them from their slavery. He brings them out of Egypt, splits the Red Sea for them, and then gets rid of their enemies. He goes on to give them food every day. He gives them water. He provides for them. He gives them leaders. He gives them a law. He gives them love, protection, all that sort of stuff. In all those things, God is forming and shaping for himself a people. God is taking a a disorganized, discouraged, disheartened, motley crew, but he is slowly but surely transforming them into his, his people. God is working in his people. Yet, all through that story, all through the book of Exodus, we see that God isn't doing that just for his people. He's doing it in his people, but for all peoples. For example, let me give you a few scripture passages from Exodus. Exodus 9, verse 14. God tells Pharaoh that the way God sent all these plagues on Egypt to get his people out, the way God did that was so that Pharaoh would know that there is no other God like God in all the earth, not just in Egypt, but in all the earth. Exodus 9 verse 16 says that God's purpose, even for letting Pharaoh rise to power in Egypt, was so that God's name may be proclaimed in all the earth. Exodus 15, 14, right after God split the Red Sea, the people go through, the people sing the song and they're celebrating because they're saying, hey, all the nations around us, all the different people groups around us, they have seen, they know the Lord and his mighty works. Exodus 19, verses four through six, there God reminds his people, he says, hey, I brought you out of Egypt. I bore you on eagle's wings. My precious child, I brought you out because I am the Lord of all the earth. And now I wanna make you a kingdom of priests, 
I want to make you my representatives to all the different peoples, all the nations around the world. So God works in his people for all peoples. Moses, the miracles, the manna, all of that was God working in his people, giving them blessings. But those blessings weren't meant to terminate on his people. Through his people, God wanted all the peoples to see him, know him, worship him, adore him, and follow him. God works in his people for all peoples. So we see it in the story of Exodus, where we've been for a few months. But I also want to fast forward because I think we see the same dynamic playing out in Jesus, in his public ministry. When Jesus was on the earth, Jesus worked in his people for all peoples. It's kind of crazy when you think about Jesus's public ministry, right? He never like published a worldwide book. He never went on a worldwide tour. He never had a website, never launched a TV show, never ran for political office. Jesus' primary time and his primary energies and efforts were working in this group of 12 guys. Jesus worked in this small community of disciples. But then after Jesus lived his perfect life and died his death on our behalf and then rose to new life, then right before Jesus ascends back to heaven to be with the Father, he gathers this small community of disciples. And what does he say to them? He says, go and make disciples of all nations. Make disciples of all peoples. So Jesus spent his three years of public ministry pouring into, working in 12 dudes so that all nations, all tribes, all languages, all peoples would know and worship Jesus Christ. Jesus worked in his people for all peoples. You guys tracking with this? Okay, so that's the big point for today. God works in his people for all peoples. So what does that mean for us? That's great. That's wonderful. What does this mean for City Light Council Bluffs today? Let me give you three quick and practical takeaways. By the way, I'm going short this morning on purpose because we've got someone who's going to come and share about what God's doing around the world. Let me give you three quick practical takeaways. Number one is this. Let's celebrate what God is doing in us. Amen, church? Let's celebrate what God is doing in us. We are but one church among 3,500 that get planted today, but what God does and is doing in us matters. Just like the Red Sea splitting and the Passover mattered to the Hebrews in Exodus, so God's provision and God's miracles matter to us today in Council Bluffs. Let's keep celebrating what God is doing in us. So, Can I give you guys a few things of what God is doing in us? Is that okay? And I really hope you got like an amen or a hallelujah in you somewhere, or I'm going to have to start saying it, okay? Let me just give you a few things. Listen, church, we got to baptize six people before we ever had a public worship gathering. God is working in us. Amen? Amen. Our friend, Renna, many of you guys know Renna. She gave her life to Jesus Christ a couple weeks ago. She is forever a child of God. God is working in us. My friend Chris, last week, he stood up in Financial Peace University class, and he told the story of how Jesus transformed him from a compulsive gambler to a compulsive giver. He's paid down $30,000 in debt that he owed to casinos. Now he's organizing coat drives for our church, and he's discipling men from the Open Door Mission. God is working in us. Amen? 
my friend Bill Hartzell, a few months ago, Willie felt led just to pray for people with physical ailments in the middle of singing. And so we gathered around, prayed for different people. Bill was one of the people we prayed for. He had a surgery scheduled for his back in the month of October. October's nearly done. He canceled the surgery because God healed his back and he's still pain-free. God is working in us. Just a couple weeks ago in a city group, they were all sharing prayer requests like city groups often do. And it comes time at the end. And so the leader's like, well, I'll pray for us. And so he prays. He takes every request to the Father, genuinely asking God to work for these people and in these people. He gets to the end in Jesus' name. Amen. And then he tells everybody, whoa, that's the longest I've ever prayed out loud. That was awesome. God is working in us. Men are stepping up to the plate. They're accepting responsibility. They're throwing off addictions that were ruining their lives. Women are leading out and loving one another. They're discipling one another. They're speaking life into people. Children are looking for ways to volunteer. They're building friendships. And so far, no one has broken a leg in City Light Kids. God is working in us. City groups are multiplying with people who embrace the gospel and embrace each other. Sunday mornings, we regularly enter into the presence of God. We're going after him, gathering to him, and hearing from him. We don't just go through the motions. We're actually meeting God himself. God is working in us. He is incredible. City light. Can we, can we never become a people? who forget what God is doing in the midst of us, but remember our complaints about the color of the carpet. Is that cool with you guys? Can we be a people who forget the color of the carpet, but always remember what God is doing in our midst? Amen? Let's keep celebrating what God is doing in us. It matters. Number two, practical takeaway. Let's seek God's work through us. Let's seek God's work through us. In Exodus and with Jesus, we're reminded that God doesn't just work in his people for only their benefit. He works in his people for all people. So he always has this larger view in mind. God wants to work in his people, but also through his people. I grew up um, on a cul-de-sac. I didn't even know that word existed. I just called it Deanna Circle, okay? But I grew up on a circle. There were six houses neatly arranged on this circle, and I loved it because we could play street hockey, shoot hoops, ride bikes, run around, and we never had to worry about someone coming in and bothering us. We never had to worry about a car trying to pass through. It was neat. Everybody kept their yards nice and clean. It was safe. That was Deanna Circle. What I've learned over the years, though, is that cul-de-sacs, circles make for great neighborhoods, but not for great churches. Cul-de-sacs make for great neighborhoods, but not great churches. City Light, we are not meant to be a cul-de-sac. We are not meant to be a circle where the blessings of God come in, but then they stay there. We're meant to be more like a street. The life that we have, the family that we feel, the Savior who has saved us, he is meant to keep going right on through us. We get to enjoy him. We get to enjoy those blessings. But all of that joy multiplies when we let it go through us onto other people. Let's seek God's work through us. In a cul-de-sac, it's safe. But there's also, that's where you stop. There's no room for growing or moving or multiplying. On a street, 
You can also be safe, but there's still room to grow, to multiply, to keep on moving. City Light, that's us. We want to be a family where people are safe. They can come in, be open, honest, genuine, loved and accepted right where they are. But we are also a family who is on mission together. We want to keep growing, keep moving and keep multiplying. City Light, God is on the move and we want him to keep moving through us, not just in us. Amen. And I feel like it's exciting because God's already doing this. He's already working this in us just this past week. In the last seven days, all of this has happened. I'm blown away. Hope you see that I'm excited. In the last seven days, we launched a new city group, and this city group is going after Iowa Western college students and college-age young adults, right? Jesus saved some reavers. Come to Christ, Iowa Western, right? This last Wednesday night, I got to teach City Light Club, a bunch of teenagers coming together to study their Bibles because they want to be more like Jesus. We're reaching teenagers. We had a city group serving in the Micah house this week. We had a city group helping Lewis and Clark Elementary throw a trunk or treat party for all of their students. God is not just working in us, but he is also working through us. Let's keep seeking that. Let's keep pursuing that. That's number two. So we're gonna celebrate God's work in us. We're gonna pursue God's work through us. Number three is this. Let's also celebrate God's global grace. Let's celebrate God's global grace. So as we multiply disciples and churches and council bluffs and in Southwest Iowa, as God works in us and through us here locally, let's pray that we get to be a part of multiplying disciples and churches around the world, that we get to be a part of his global grace going all around the world, Japan, um, Africa, India, wherever God takes us, our dreams and visions, you may look around and say, hey, we're kind of a small church, but listen, our dreams and visions don't need to be limited to the 80,000 people in Council Bluffs. Our dreams and visions can be as big as the 7.3 billion people on planet earth because it's not our dreams and visions, it's God's dreams, his vision, and his vision is for his global glory. Because our God is a global God, he might call some of you to launch a new city group in Glenwood, Iowa. And he might call some of you to start a new business in Turkey, reaching Muslims for Jesus Christ. Because our God is a global God, he might call some of you to start volunteering in City Like Kids and help us out. And he might call some of you to go visit orphans in Rwanda. This is who our God is. God works in his people, but he does it for all peoples. May we be a church who celebrates it when he's working in us, who pursue him working right on through us, and who enjoy his global grace, what he's doing all over the world And to that end, this morning, we get the pleasure of hearing from a friend who's going to talk about God's work around the world. She gave her life to Jesus, and then God told her to move to Africa. It's like the horror story for all of you guys. You're like, I just know once I give my life to Jesus, he's going to make me move to Africa. I think you're going to love her story. Listen to her story, and let's celebrate God's global grace, what he's doing in West Africa. Carrie, come on up. Share with us a little bit. It's great to be here. 
Um, so, little geography lesson. Um, I'm actually, I'm Carrie Schleker, and I'm just from the area. My parents actually go to Midtown, City Light Midtown. Grew up in Bellevue, actually. And uh, I serve in Mali, and it's a country in Africa. So, a little geography lesson here. Um, Mali is, uh, yeah, in the western part of, of Africa. It's a large country. It's uh, about twice the land mass of Texas. So, it's a big, a big country right on the Sahara Desert. There and I work in the southern, uh, the southern part of the of the country, and um, so our uh, I work at a hospital. I'm a nurse. Um, worked also, you know, here in the area. I worked at Creighton in their emergency room. I worked at Methodist in their emergency room, and uh, so I serve as a nurse um, at the Kuchala Hospital for women and children. So we're a hospital that serves only uh, specializing care for women, maternity, um, and women with other health problems, and then um, pediatrics as well. So I've had a lot of jobs um, through the uh, the years. Um, I've been there for about six years, and I started out in anesthesia, which was not at all my training, but, you know, God empowers us, right? And, uh, but now, um, because we have a nursing department now that we've grown to, uh, our nursing department now is about 120 nurses and nurses' aides. So I feel like the most strategic way to spend my time is to work, uh, work with them in training them, coaching them. So uh, I've been working in nursing education and really trying to not only raise the bar uh, clinically, you know, to everyone wants a good nurse, right, when you're in the hospital, but also to uh, help them really grasp the vision of the hospital, and that is to get, provide quality care and show the love and compassion of Jesus Christ through quality medical care, and then also proclaim, proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So uh, in just... Um, in uh, Bible studies, in just coaching and mentoring um, these nurses is, uh, has been really fulfilling, and it's been my job for the past, uh, past few years. And we only, do, only hire Christian, um, Christian staff, but our patient population is about 95% Muslim. So these nurses have amazing opportunities to really be the hands and feet of Christ in their own culture at their job. So trying to get, get them to buy into that is a, just a huge um, part of my goal. And so last March, we took four of our nurse managers on a retreat, and on a leadership, leadership t- retreat, exposing them to leadership development materials in French, their language, and then having them discuss it. You know, what are, what are the takeaways? Um, what, how do you want to see uh, these, you know, these things you've learned change your context or your culture? Well, the f- initial response was, well, the doctors need to hear these uh, lessons, or our administrators need to hear these lessons. And uh, yeah, that's our, you know, often our response, like uh, we read a really good book, and then we think of like everyone we know that really needs to read that book, right? <laughs> but um, to then say, okay, no, well, we can, uh, we do have some control over our, uh, our situation, and each of these nurse leaders uh, oversee about 30 nurses and nurses' aides. So um, to see God just uh, really working in these, uh, in these young leaders and then ask them, you know, what are the takeaways? What, how do you want to change um, your department? And so then to hear them say things like, you know, I want to make sure that our patients are always prayed for when they come into my department. Being the, um, you know, the head nurse of the operating room, every patient that comes into pre-op, we want to make sure we pray with them before their surgery. 
And then things like, you know, all the nurses, aides and nurses that work under me, I want to make sure that they know they're important and they're valued and their job's important. So things like that, that that God is just working in these young leaders, these are Malian nurses, um, and just uh, gives me a lot of hope uh, for the hospital and for um, just the continued work there and for the church in in Mali um, to see uh, growth and continued church planting and uh, just to see how God is is working in these uh, young leaders. One more aspect of the work, and always trying to combine healthcare with presenting God's word in a relevant way to them. Molly is an oral culture, which means they don't need like papers <laughs> like this to uh, remember things. They learn just by word, word of mouth, just communication. They don't have bulletins, newspapers, that kind of thing. So we have uh, found that just communicating a simple Bible story, they remember it. They, uh, it just sticks in their brains. And so uh, at the hospital and then beyond, um, we've been able to uh, share um, Bible stories with, uh, with our patients, with family members that come and stay with patients, and then helping them to uh, repeat then the story, and then asking them things like, well, what did you like about the story? What did you not like about the story? What does the story teach us about God? So you're thinking, well, the feeding of the 5,000, for example, God, you know, he fed everyone. Everyone likes that. And they, you know, what does this teach us about God? He performs miracles. He cares for the masses. I mean, just these simple truths that they themselves can then pull out of scripture is, uh, is really, um, yeah, it's just really exciting. It's a lot, um, it's not me necessarily going in with, you know, this is what I think you need to learn and this is the scripture we're going to use, but uh, allowing them to to learn scripture this way. These are Muslim people. And then encouraging them to go and tell the story to someone else. So uh, God's word is, is going out that way. And so we've been able to uh, do that at the hospital and then in um, neighborhoods as well. Um, the hospital's an open door because we, we've been there now 10 years. And uh, so a lot of you know women will say, well, I had my baby at the hospital, but they're there 24 hours for a normal delivery. So not a lot of exposure at that time, but if you can kind of cue in where these people live and then go and visit them and uh, ask them you know, to come to maybe a little group where you're going to do a little teaching on nutrition or the importance of prenatal care, and then uh, par- pair that with a Bible story. It's been very effective. So this is one of our neighborhood groups. And uh, the idea was started by um, a lady who came. We did a little outing in a village. She came to cook. And she asked, you know, hey, if I invite my neighbors, would you guys be able to come and, uh, and do a, a teaching at my house? You know, just do a little health lesson. Brilliant. Perfect. I'd love to, you know. Like, why didn't I think of that, you know? And uh, so we came to her house, and I thought, well... It's maybe going to be, what, five people? Like, it's her neighbors, right? Yeah, there were, like, 30 to 40 women there, like, literally under the mango tree. And uh, it's uh, totally no-tech. We have our um, flannel graph system, which, uh, if you don't remember, know what that is, then... Yeah, that's okay. But um, anyway, it's you just have to watch out for wind. That's our only uh, our thing. We set up our little board and... Um, so it's, uh, it's just been really fun to see, like, the leveraging of this healthcare at the hospital, leveraging that in the community to build relationships, share God's word, and, uh, and uh, move forward, um, yeah, with the ministry um, in, uh, in Mali. So I just, uh, yeah, I want to challenge you to get involved. 
And it is going to take the whole church to reach the world with Christ, to with, reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's going to take the whole entire church, the global church. And, uh, and so just some few ways that I'd like to, to challenge you to get involved. One would be prayer. And, uh, you know, it seems maybe a little cheesy <laughs> to say, like, pray for your missionaries, or, you know, it sounds kind of Sunday school-y. But um, really, it's, uh, it's so important. And, um, you know, God is working. He's already, uh, he, you know, he's moving. And uh, we get to the, the uh, joy of partnering with him. And, uh, and prayer is our primary work. And so, you know, the days are long, and the progress is often very slow. And so I would ask you to pray. Pray for our nurse leaders. Pray for our patients. Pray for the workers there and uh, for God to move. And then, um, thir- secondly, with uh, um, money. <laughs> Let's face it. We have, a lot of us have so much more than we need. And, uh, and so um, I'm very honored to be a part of this um, network of churches, the Christian Missionary Alliance, where raising money for missions is a collective effort. And so we have a fund um, with our denomination called the Great Commission Fund. And uh, so when money goes into the Great Commission Fund, it supports over 700 missionaries around the world. And uh, I never have to worry about in the middle of working in Africa that I'm going to have to come home and raise more money for my support because my salary is paid out of that fund. So um, if God is laying on your heart that you could give something, um, I would, yeah, just uh, suggest that that's a, a great way to invest your money into God's kingdom. And then lastly, in a practical note, um, at the hospital, we have 2,500 babies born every year. And uh, so that's rivaling some of, the, um, some of these hospitals in Omaha. We have about six to 10 deliveries a day, over 200 a month. So yeah, their delivery room is hopping, <laughs> busy, busy. But uh, every baby that's born gets a blanket, a onesie, a uh, booties, and hat. And so uh, we are always in need of infant items. So if you have, maybe your children have grown out of their infant clothes, or you have, um, want, you know, you're a seamstress or a knitter, you want a winter project, um, I have information on the, on the connection table of how to give um, baby, baby items. So, you know, no matter what, no matter where we serve, bottom line, as Doug so clearly um, said and taught this morning, that uh, we want changed lives. First, in our own heart. And in our families, and in our communities, and, uh, and then extending around the world. And so I just want to show a quick video of a little boy who came to the hospital for care. And then how um, his life was changed, his family's life, and then how that ex- is extending to his community. So. In my village, many boys never reach adulthood. Because of a curse on our people, I lost four of my own sons. I was a traditional healer and used medicines and meat sacrifices to try and ward off the evil spirits, but nothing seemed to work. When my fifth son, Omar, started to develop a large tumor on his face, I knew that the curse would take him too. It was a hard time for our family. Omar kept to himself. He wore a mask to cover his face. But the children made fun of him and called him Longmouth. People wouldn't come near us because we were cursed. One day, I heard that a group had come to our village and that they were going to show a movie. I never left home anymore 
But for some reason, I knew I had to go. The movie was about Jesus. I saw him heal people, and for the first time, I had hoped that my son might too be healed. I went to find Omar and took him to the church people. They prayed over him and suggested that we come with one of the doctors back to Kutiala Hospital, where they might be able to help him. Omar was treated so differently here. At home, nobody would touch him because of his smell and the flies that followed him. Here, they would pick him up, play with him, hold his hand and walk with him. I had never seen love like this. I thought to myself, if this is what Christ followers are like, then I want to be one of them. Omar and his mother would often listen to Bible stories, and they both decided to give their lives to Jesus. After the first surgery, it was clear the tumor was gone. My son had a curse, and God overcame it. I was so excited to pray with the pastor and become a Christ follower myself. The villagers couldn't believe this was the same Omar. Now he's a normal boy, and the other kids play with him. He can't stop telling others about Jesus. Neither can I. I'm so happy I can't help it. Because of our testimony, six people in our village have decided to follow Jesus. We invite them to our home, and they come. We show them the love that God has shown to us. Amen. Um, so that's incredible. Uh, Carrie, 95% of the patients are Muslim. That's overwhelming. Um, 95% of Council Bluffs is not Muslim. It's like, like we're, we're flipping this around. You guys are making an incredible impact. 2,500 babies born every single year. Oh, man, God is on the move. Thank you for sharing with us.